Dear Great Pumpkin, I'm looking forward to your arrival on Halloween night. Live on the Fireside app, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I know you can't see me right now, but I've got my Top Gun fighter pilot outfit on because it's Friday and I'm headed to the singles bar later. But, you know, it occurs to me Sunday's Halloween, which is awkward for me because I hate dressing up in ridiculous costumes. But here's an idea. Maybe I just won't shave my back for a few days and I'll take off my shirt and go as one of the moles on Joe's mom's back. Speaking of horror, our guest today will be talking about their financial horror stories. From Afford Anything, we have Paula Pant, dressed like the clown from Stephen King's It. From this podcast, we welcome back OG, who's dressed suspiciously like a 40-something middle-class dad, which is his own personal nightmare. And from LenPenzo.com, it's a hideous corpse! Just kidding. That's only his costume. Oh, what? What's that, Len? You're not wearing a costume? Oh, that's embarrassing. For you. And now, a guy who wakes up screaming from his recurring dream of a mega backdoor Roth IRA strategy gone wrong, it's Joe Saul Seahawk. I'm sure we've all had that dream, haven't we? The one you wake up just screaming all those lost taxes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wake Up Crying Podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And we have the team with us today. Let's start with the guy who's normally across the table from me, but he's not across the table from me today. It's Mr. OG off on location. How are you, man? I'm off on location that's right is there music in the background there is there is there's spooky halloween stuff listen to this oh very scary oh, very yes. scary <laughs> i like that i like that intro doug a scary middle class dad that's that's uh, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good that's well that's well thought out um so scaring people since go, 1970 go for, uh, something I haven't thought about what to do for Halloween, but yep, we are in Vail today. Man, it's nice here. We just missed the peak, you know, fall color by probably about a week, but man, it's still nice and good to get away for a little bit, but duty calls. I tore myself away from the, uh, um, you know, fire pit and the hot chocolate and the smoke. Oh, that's so tough. Stop, uh, stop bragging so so we can introduce Paula Pant, please. So that I can, so that I can. Paula, cut him off. Somebody's (laughs) good. Well, let's see. There's there's no fire. There's no s'mores. There's no gorgeous mountain. But uh, but you know, I'm looking at a gorgeous sunset while we record. So I'm feeling the spirit of fall, autumn. You know, the the spooky leaves of Halloween. That's your own flex. That's good. That's not quite a veil flex like OG, but that's good. The flex being what that I have I, I eyesight. Didn't, I didn't even say veil. I said the mountains. You did say veil. So fine, we're at the... Yeah, yeah, there he goes again, Paula. There he goes again. And the guy deep under Los Angeles who's here celebrating Halloween, Mr. Penzo. Magic 8-Ball, should I just not answer the door and eat all the candy myself? <laughs> the answer is 
answer you seek is yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I tend to remember the eight ball being super, super amenable last year, wasn't it? it doesn't <laughs> your eight ball say yes? Like, yes man. <laughs> look, this was his, this is the preseason. We got to get ready for uh, you know he's only just, got a couple months to go. So I just I think mean, that it's really awkward that Len calls his panel van the Halloween candy distribution, you know, <laughs> location. And that's just, that's just really awkward. And you put a little light outside the little panel van. Like, here you go, kids. Uncle Len's got candy. <laughs> so, so wrong. Paula, you had something or can we get to, can we actually get this thing started? Uh, all I was going to say was that technically the magic eight ball said that the answer that Len seeks is yes. Not that the correct answer is <laughs> that's yes. That's right. <laughs> all right. You're no help, Paula. That is <laughs> That is a valid point. We got Paula here. We got Len here. We got OG here and Doug. We are about to thrill you with our grisliest Halloween money story. So let's get this. Well, we can't get this party started. We got to do this first. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? You want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... 
Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, as the bell rings on our Halloween festivities, time for your most terrible financial horror story. Does it involve a bank? Does it involve somebody getting ripped off with their money? Does it involve insurance or estate planning? Paula Pam from Afford Anything. Scare us with your Halloween tale. What is your Halloween tale called? Ooh, the tale of... (laughs) This is going to be super nerdy. The tale of trying to buy disability insurance when you're (laughs) (laughs) self-employed. That's that's probably way too in the weeds, I'm sure. Just add add from hell at the end of it and it'll be okay. I don't know, man. There's a lot of people screaming. The second that you even mentioned disability insurance, people are like, what? I know. I, and it's it's so in the weeds. There's no way that I can like really go into how just um, want to stab myself in the eyeball with a fork it is other than you, you basically get the story just from its headline and it's a necessary thing to do and simultaneously nothing I would ever recommend. And unfortunately, it's the type of story that if you're like, well, and, and then I... And then I called for an insurance quote. It makes for terrible radio. So it's not even like something you can really tell. No, that's a horror story all the way around. It's a horror story right. for this podcast. It's a horror story for disability coverage. Yes. <laughs> Nobody wins, Paula. I know. I'm just spreading negativity everywhere I go. It's just absolutely horrible. Yeah. But disability insurance, really super important. I mean, you see people that skip on it all the time because when you looked at that, I mean, part of the horror story is that crap's expensive. Yeah, super expensive. And if you go to buy it as an individual policy, the natural inclination from the people who are selling it is to is to immediately be suspicious of you. Like, hey, why are right. you buying this? Right? <laughs> right? Well, you know, it's it, it's funny because an OG, you can opine here on this. My understanding is is the reason they're super suspicious of you is because when I've talked to people that work for disability insurance companies, the only people that apply for disability insurance are people who might already already have an injury or they're getting ready to fake one. Well, I don't know about the I don't know about the uh, committing insurance fraud being super rampant, but it's not generally the thing that people go out and search for on their own because it's kind of expensive, and we feel pretty invulnerable, right? So, generally, people don't go out and say, "You know what I should do today? Go get some disability insurance." Do they? Do, do, so, so I can see that from an underwriting standpoint. Do they have uh, uh, insurance where you're looking at the mountains and you're sitting by a nice roaring fire and the colors are just past peak? Well, the key is to get it before you go skiing um, <laughs> so that when you tear your meniscus, you get paid. Oh, that's a horror story right there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't all, do that. all right. Mr. Penzo, you are up next, my friend. Regale us. Did I miss Paul? Was there a was there a story there, Paula? Or was I don't think there a... was. I think it was just a headline. <laughs> okay. All right. well, okay, let me give you my. Let's see. I, let this me, one's got to be better. You got to keep uh, us I, around the campfire a little bit, Lynn. Uncle Lynn. Um, I'm going to regale you with um, my first story. Here is uh, Chucky and the Chilling Check Ooh. from Hell. <laughs> 
Okay. And here's what happened. This is one of my daughter's friends and she was selling some clothing on, on Poshmark. Have you heard of Poshmark? I have. It's, kind of, it's, yeah. it's this thing that you can, I guess, you know, if you have clothes, extra clothes that you want to get rid of, you go onto Poshmark and, and you can sell it to people and people will, will buy them from you. It's a way to get rid of some of your extra clothing. Well, it turns out that, uh, that we'll call her Chucky. Uh, Chucky was was selling these clothes on Poshmark, and it was for eighteen bucks. It was a I don't know what it was. It was a shirt, I guess. Is what my daughter said. But uh, so a lady bought it, and she she paid by check, and she mailed the check to Chucky. Well, Chucky got the check in the mail, but the check wasn't for eighteen dollars. It was for eighteen hundred dollars. Oh man! So, do you know where this is going to go? So Chucky contacted the lady and said, uh, there's a mistake here. The, the shirt that you, you, know, you wanted was $18, not 1800 And the lady said, not a problem. Why don't you Venmo me the difference between the 1800 and the $18? So you know, <laughs> oh, Venmo no. me 1700 and what is that, $82? And then you can just cash the check. Okay, you know, when you're young, you don't think about this. You know, this is, these are people in their you know late teens, early twenties, and they're trusting. And so she said, "Okay." Chucky said, "Okay." Oh. She she immediately Venmoed the money to the lady, and then of course you know what happened. Uh, Chucky went to cash the check, and the check was uh, no good. And sadly, Venmo did not reimburse. Chucky. And that is a lot of money when you're a young That's, adult. That how, is, is, so it was just heartbreaking. Hell, that'd be a lot of money if it happened to me right now. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. But that was a sad, that's a sad and a scary tale. That is a scary tale, Mr. Pitt. Way better than Paula's. Paula, did you hear that story? <laughs> that's a real story, Paula. <laughs> I mean, I, I could tell a story about a person I know who got scammed on Craigslist for $3,000. Was it, what, what, no, was it similar? It was, well, so I, I don't know the full details. I know he was trying to buy a car um, and I don't know exactly, you know, what the, uh, what the exchange was that led yeah. from, hey, I'm looking at a Craigslist post for a car that's for sale. It was uh, $3,000. Here's a post with a car for sale for $3,000. That was like step one. And then step Z was Oh, oops, I'm out $3,000. <laughs> we had uh, a similar thing and we almost got caught by it, Len, which was uh, when we first moved in, we had the spot, we're still looking for a piano. And we found this person who had this beautiful, it's like a baby grand piano and it costs next to nothing. And the guy even said, uh, when Cheryl contacted him, said, you know what? Uh, I'm moving to Maryland with my family. I just, you know how hard it is to get rid of a piano. Why don't you just take it? You just have to pay for the moving cost. And, uh, and here's the number of who you call for the moving cost. So Cheryl calls this mover and the mover said, yeah, I'll, I will bring it tomorrow from Little Rock, which is like a two and a half hour drive. And, you know, we had just moved here and it took movers forever to schedule. And this guy was going to move it for us tomorrow. Like yeah. he's like, yep, I can pick it up. I'm going to move it tomorrow. He goes, but here's the deal. I just need to be paid ahead of time. <laughs> the guy just need the money. He's like, yep, I just need 600 bucks right now to move it. And I, Cheryl's like, so we're going to send him 600 bucks. I'm like, no, that's a scam. Yeah, that's the tell, right? Everybody, especially young people out there, that is the tell. If somebody's asking you for money out of your pocket, 
when they're promising you something in exchange uh, and it's just too good to be true, you know that something is probably up. It's the same thing about people will say, oh, you know, you've won this $1,000, but you got to send me $50 before you can get your $1,000. So there you go. Yuck. All right, OG, it is uh, time for your tale of Halloween terror. I have two, but but here's the first one. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary over a many quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded nearly nappy, suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor," I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this and nothing more, except it was the IRS calling. And turns out this person was uh, pretty behind on taxes, apparently. Thought that he had paid all of his tax bill. Pretty certain it was paid in full, but boy, this phone call seemed to indicate that that was not the case. Well, wait a minute. So is, is this you? Is this a client? Is this uh, uh, yes. someone who shall client. remain nameless? Client. It's a client who who received a uh, terrible phone call that they had miscalculated their taxes, grossly miscalculated their taxes, and and had to uh, had to remedy that situation post haste. There so, was no chance that they could send a check, contact their CPA. None of those things would matter. Oh, the only thing you can do right this moment. I got it. Thing, the FBI is watching you. They're watching right now to see what your next move is. To see what your next move is. And it better be to go to Walgreens and get a whole bunch of Visa gift cards. Because that's the only way the IRS gets paid now. We don't take cash or check or wire transfers. You're just going to rattle off these Visa check card numbers to me, and that'll settle the bill. So we're going to need you to go get $10,000 worth. But you can't do it all at one store. They'll think something's up. You know, you probably don't want this public. You probably don't want the your neighborhood knowing that you're in hock to the IRS right now. So oh, this you should is probably so bad. go to a couple of different CVSs and Walgreens just kind of spread those out. And of course, she did. She did. Oh no! Because she didn't want to. Uh, you know, the FBI's watching, watching your next move. Oh so, no! Um, so uh, yeah, the IRS will never, ever. Ever, 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 never, ever call you and tell you you owe money. They will mail you a letter, certified sometimes, or regular postal. They may show up at your house, but they will have badges and guns. And if they show up at your house with a badge and a gun, you're going to jail anyway. So there's nothing you can do to remedy that situation at that point. Like that one's that one's past like solving. That one's past all the letters. You know, they may show up at your office if you're a business owner. And say, hi, I'm a revenue officer. But they don't show up and go, hi, I'm a revenue officer, and you must pay me in Visa gift cards today. I remember. They might schedule an appointment. So the IRS calls. It's a prank call. Hang the phone up. The FBI is not watching you. I promise. And they don't want to be paid in gift cards. They, they most certainly do not. <laughs> they, do. they take check and wire transfer. Yeah, you've, you've heard this uh, story, OG, about secretaries who are always picking up office gifts and they get these either emails or calls from people saying, hey, we're trying to surprise somebody in the office and so many will fall prey of this. They're like, ooh, there's somebody in the office that I don't know. So they go give them a bunch of gift cards and then they find out later that the person doesn't even work for the company. They just scammed them. Ugly stuff. 
ugly, ugly stuff. All right. Uh, uh, Doug, do you pay your taxes and gift cards? Taxes? <laughs> How about uh, a horror story from you? Do you have one there, Mr. Doug? You know, just the classic uh, six weeks into the, the new job, time to go buy a new car. Right. I mean, it had a perfectly good serviceable car that was, was probably going to, you know, give me another 20, 30,000 miles on it at least, but nope. Had to go get that new sweet Mitsubishi Diamante, mm. the CD changer in the trunk. Of course. <laughs> Cause where else are they going to put the CD changer? It's so convenient there. Pick the, pick the six CDs you want to listen to for the next 800 miles. That's all you get. Uh, Doug, I'm surprised you didn't ask for the manual CD changer. And then when you put it in the back seat, and now you just pay for the guy to, to change the CDs, uh, no, you know, that's, a, that's OG with his manservant and his like 28 <laughs> foot long Mercedes or whatever he has. That's not me. That's not the way I roll. But I actually had a car. This is not part of the financial horror story, but, but obviously that cost me a ton of money long term, right? know that listening to these shows, but, uh, (laughs) the CD changer story made me realize like just two cars ago. So let's say six or eight years ago or something. I, I found a CD player in my glove compartment a year and a half after I got the car. Had just, no idea it was in there. Just realized I was still putting wow. CD players in the glove compartment of cars <laughs> in the two thousands. Is there any chance that it wasn't that it was the navigation disc? No, it, it was uh, no. I know what you're saying. Uh, I had one of those in like the armrest of a GM vehicle once. No, it was was the full on. That's the logical thing. place to put that. Right. That's where that know, goes in the armrest. <laughs> he knew it couldn't be that because it was yeah. in the armrest. Right. Exactly. The the, the, the last the, car that I bought um, when I went to take it for a test drive, I looked at the the CD player and I, I looked at the thing and I pointed and I said, "Is that a CD ROM drive?" And the guy just looked at me and he was like, "In my day, we used to call those CD players <laughs> a CD ROM drive." Don't hey hey don't get me started on floppy disks five you know the uh, what were they the five and a quarter inch or the, even the bigger ones what were those big this, ones eight Len, inch this flops. isn't a medical show it's a financial <laughs> show don't they have a pill for that now <laughs> so bad uh, the horror story that Doug that you reminded me of almost a horror story for us was that I had used and I've talked about this a lot about using TrueCar and pitting dealers against each other and we actually got this great deal on a a Volkswagen and we go to sign the paperwork. And for whatever reason, I couldn't make it to the meeting. And I had been the one that had negotiated. Cheryl goes to, to sign for the car and the number on the paperwork and thank God she caught it. But the number on the paperwork was different than the number the dude had agreed to, which, which by the way, he said was just a quote, huge mistake. Sorry. Of course. Just a, just a mistake. And guess what, Len, it wasn't in our favor. I was going to say, but, but you know how honest car dealers are. I know. Just, Come on. It's so great. All right. Those are our Halloween stories. If you're hanging out with us and you've got a tale of financial terror please uh, feel free to uh, come up on stage. Just hit the microphone button and uh, tell us what you'd like to talk about. And uh, we'd love to hear your story. But while we're waiting, OG, you you said you had two of them. So let's go right back to you, man. Tell us a story, Mr. OG. I don't have a pithy Edgar Allan Poe 
intro for this one, other than to say that uh, I have enjoyed owning Tesla stock for the last year, give or take. And um, I, I like to write call options, which is just a fancy way of saying, pay me today for promising to sell you my stock in the future. And for the entire year, that's worked out for me. And uh, I decided last week I had the Tesla stock had risen quite a bit. And I said, you know, I'm going to sell a call, which means I'm going to get money today at $880 a share because it was at $860. If it got to $880, I'm okay with getting out at that price. In exchange for that, I got $15 of cash that day. At 100 shares, I made $1,500. Plus, it's got to get to $880 before it goes away. So turns out Friday came and went and I was busy and I looked in my brokerage account today and noticed that Tesla was no longer there. So therefore it must have closed above 880. So I've now been sold out of the stock at 880. My brother, who is very kind and generous, uh, reminded me today to look at Tesla stock price. And today, (laughs) as I looked at it, was at $1,050. So as a proud shareholder for the better part of a year, and if you owned Tesla for the year, you know that it went up a whole bunch, down a whole bunch, back up, back down, back up. I sold last week on Thursday or Friday at $880 a share. And, and uh, my That's lowly- because of Hertz. That's because of Hertz uh, said they were going to buy 100000 of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I know. I you know. would have had $140 a share. Hey, and as yeah. an aside, OG, one of these days, you're going to have to teach me about I, options just boggle my mind. I mean, I don't understand them at all. And I'd well, love clearly neither do I. Len. Oh, OK. Well, because you know what? I don't do I don't I try them because it, it just seems I can't make heads or tails out of how, how they work. So actually, well, when you think about it, though, it y- yeah, I mean, if your stock's trading in a range and you're OK uh, with being sold out, like what happened to OG, Len, the cool thing about selling a call is you're just letting somebody else ride your share. So in every transaction with an option, there's two people. There's the banker and there's the risk taker, right? And in this one, you're just the banker. So, yep. and the way that fills- the cost, but there's like a, there's like a, a, a third cost in it, right? There's like a, there's like some chain, it's like $2 and 40 cents, right? You're buying a, right? Isn't, isn't that how it well, works? Well, not, 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 not really anymore. Most of the transaction costs have been whittled away. I mean, you might pay 65 cents a contract or something, but, but generally speaking, there's no, there's no friction there. You know, the friction happens where you hold a stock for a long time and you miss out by three days on the, you know, 15% return. Okay. Well, and so, so, so that's the risk that you run. You know, when the stock was at eight hundred and sixty dollars, let's say let's take any stock that you own right now, Len, and you say, okay, I've got, um, I don't, I can't think of the prices of anything, but let's just say the S and P five hundred, right? S and P five hundred shares, SPY is at call it four fifty. Let's just say for argument's sake, and you say, you know, OG, I'll sell you my S and P shares. They're trading today at four fifty. I'll sell them to you. Next Friday at 460. In exchange mm-hmm. for that promise, you get paid today because you just made a promise. So you get paid something, maybe a dollar a share or $2 a share or something like that. Okay. And it's all based on how volatile the stock is, right? But let's say that the S&P gets to $459. You were at 460. No one's going to buy it from you for 460 when on the open market, you can buy it for 459, right? So your option expires worthless. You keep all the cash. 
life goes on. Wait, how do you lose? You lose by Hertz announcing that they're going to buy 100,000 Teslas. Yeah, you lose with it being sold away, like just happened. Your stock goes to $1,100 a share, and somebody shows up at your door and says, <laughs> says here, you're going to sell it to me for 880 Oh, I go, see. But, I you go, but you. on the market, it's 1100 They go, yeah, I know that part. That's why I want to buy it from you at 880 And actually, the good news for OG, Len, is that OG still made money, right? Because he still got the top of his yeah. upside. He, he still made some money, but he lost out on the big money. So once again, the risk taker right. makes a lot of money. The banker makes a little money. But the banker and, and makes the longer, money on every deal. And the, lo- the longer the duration, would it, how does it? The, you, the you more cash your, you would get. Yeah, okay, yes. more cash you would get. Okay. Yep. All right. Especially yeah, if it's if close to the price tomorrow, it's. Yeah, especially if it's yeah. close to the price it's trading at today. That's okay. Right. Well, right. I, boy, it still seems, I don't know, maybe you make it sound easy, but boy, for some reason. <laughs> it's, a, it's a binary outcome. It's either you make money or you don't. You know what I mean? Like, like, if, like Joe said, if you're the banker, if you're the, buy, the person who's selling that to, to another consumer, another investor, you know, you're guaranteed an outcome. But you, the the loss that you get is, you know, I've I've made probably ten or fifteen thousand dollars in income on Tesla stock this year, just selling calls, right? No big deal. But I missed out on twenty eight thousand dollars of profit yesterday, you know. Yeah. So, w- what did I really gain? Right. <laughs> my, my gain is I lost thirteen thousand. How many times though? How many times did you uh, were you able to write a call before it got sold away though? Gee. I've been doing it all year. Yeah. So, so you actually, you know, uh, I mean, you've got all that money you pocketed, so that would come yeah. off the money you lost today off or the in the last basis. couple of days. Yeah. Hey, I know there's a, there's a certain segment of our audience right now that's just sitting here going, I have no idea what's going on. And they're thinking, no! <laughs> can you just get <laughs> well, to the trivia? Cause that's <laughs> the fun part. Yeah. Can we, can I kick somebody's a trivia? All right. It's that time. Boys and girls, time for our trivia challenge. Our three contributors are in the middle of a fight to the death. We'll call it a fight to the death because it's two days before Halloween. So we'll we'll run with that. Uh, The score as of right now uh, is Mr. Penzo with 15. OG has 14 and Paula has 11. Can, there's a chance. The so you're saying take, there's a I chance. I take a few weeks off, and all of a sudden I go from first place to second. What the, the heck? The, the, well, the good news is, is Doc G filled in for you, and that dude. Yeah, apparently that, it's not very great. News. No, that dude is a pro at trivia in the most unpro kind of way. What was his? What was his? His, his guess? Well, everybody's going to hear that one next week. So because we kind of flip these around, but wow. Wow, it was interesting. But speaking of interesting, I think Doug's got some cool uh, Halloweeny trivia. So, Doug, you ready? Yeah, let's go. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I've got my popcorn and dots all ready for my scary movies this Halloween. Yes, I eat those together at the same time, and you should too. While your average stacker fears a 24.5% interest rate on a store credit card, you know what really freaks me out? The Blair Witch Project, which, in my opinion, is the scariest movie in history. Here's a fact for all you cinephiles. The teeth Heather found in the twigs at the end of the Blair Witch Project, those were real human teeth. Fun fact, 
The production team got those from Lens Dentist. <laughs> Speaking of the dentist, they're all high-fiving themselves this weekend because there's a real boost to their finances coming from all the candy these little delivery monsters are bringing home for their parents. Which makes me wonder, what year was the first toothbrush, as we know it, first mass-produced? I'll be back just as soon as I can get these damn dots out of my teeth. That's why I don't go there. I can't. Cheryl's always like, you want dots? No, nope, pass. Hard, hard pass. Mr. Penzo, you're up first. Yeah. Mass-produced hey, toothbrush. Let the record show I have no cavities. In my old, as old as I am, I have no cavities, none. Boy, and I so thought it couldn't have been my teeth. I thought OG uh, was braggy bragging earlier, but that sounds like a big old brag. All right, let's see. Uh, toothbrush, mass produced is the key words, I think, there. So, uh, something tells me they weren't probably, let's see. You know, I think I think hygiene like that is is relatively new. I really do. So I'm going to say maybe right sometime between World War One and World War Two. Let's say I'll say 1937. 1937. What are you thinking about that, OG? <laughs> what's what's the laugh about? I just I, I'm just still thinking back to to Len saying I have no cavities, and I pictured that's what he said when he went to jail for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> It's all like, I'm sorry. It was just a funny phrase. They have no cavities. <laughs> you mean when they're checking his cavities? I had to think yes. about that for a second. Cavity search. Cavity search. Cavity cavities. Even Paula got that one before I did. <laughs> I'm the last guy in that joke. Sorry. I'm like, where's that? Done? All right, OG, what are you thinking? Uh, I, um, I was thinking, uh, mass produced is the key word there. Uh, so I'm with Len on that. Um, I believe that they were still ripping teeth out with like, you know, pliers and stuff during the civil war. So I'm going to go post post civil war, but, um, what kind of toothbrush are like you doing when you're ripping your teeth out? That's what I mean. Exactly. Not very much. Not very good. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, that, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying it's after that. And, um, but I'm going to go, you know, this is, this sounds like something like a Procter and Gamble that's been around a really long time or Johnson Johnson's been around a long time started selling, you know, it seems like a pretty easy thing to sell. You know, you just get a piece of wood and I don't know what you'd make brush out of, but something and sell it. So I'm going to go uh, a little earlier than Len. I'm going to say, uh, 18 and uh, 1897. All right, Paula. Oh, no. All right. So, Len, your answer was 1937? Yes. And, OG, yours is 1897. Got 40 years between them. You got a nice bit of room between them as well. Len, your answer was 1937, which means my answer is either going to be 1938 or 19. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which one is it going to be? <laughs> Speaking of Halloween. Yeah, Joe, this is when we need filler music. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> uh, Here we filler, go. Is, there's a, there's a two, there's a dental pun in there. Isn't there? <laughs> there is. I am going to go with 1936. 
Now, oh, she takes the middle. 1936. Yeah. So uh, we'd love to tell you which one of you three is right. Man, we're coming down to the last couple months after this one, but uh, we don't play that way. We'll be right back. <laughs> Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money, and it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together, and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Len, you kicked this off with 1937, and you've got everything more recent than that because nobody went later. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. You know, mass produced. That is the key. Mass produced. You know, but it is kind of weird because you think, well, gee, electricity was around before the toothbrush. I mean, think about that. So maybe that's not a good idea, but we'll see. I don't know. Oh, gee, you you got everything below 1897. So, yeah, I'm I'm feeling uh, feeling pretty good. Toothbrush. I think people have been brushing their teeth a long time, but I'm I'm with Len. the The key word is mass produced. So, I don't know. Industrial age. That's what I'm going to go with. Paul, you go around bragging about no cavities like Len? Oh, no, I got a mouthful of cavities. <laughs> it's like, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, I'm horrifying every dentist and orthodontist who's listening to this. You, just, you're called moneymaker when they come in. <laughs> I don't think they're bothered right. by that one bit. No. Uh, so Paula, you got the middle 40 though. That's pretty good. Well, at least the middle 20, I suppose. Yeah. I've got a very narrow range. So I really took a gamble. Hey, you put yourself there. So no, know, no yeah. complaint about it now. Yeah, right. No, got to be a risk taker. <laughs> Banker versus risk taker, right? Well, that's right. Nice. Good, good recall. All right, Doug, let's see uh, who's our winner. Stackers, I'm respected mortician, candy hoarder, and beauty school dropout, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. I'm sure you're ready to get your candy on, but don't forget, one of the best ways to save money is to take care of your teeth. Since 3000 BC, ancient humans have been using a chew stick, which is a thin twig with a frayed end to rub against their teeth, a technology which Len still uses today. However, the first <laughs> bristle brush was invented in China in 1498 using stiff coarse hairs taken from the back of a hog's neck and attached to handles made of bone or bamboo. But the modern toothbrush as we know it today was not mass produced until 1780. 
proving <laughs> Paula really sucks at this Chelsea Brennan thing. <laughs> oh, gee, you're our winner. And Len, take a hint. It is not too early to give some new technology a shot. <laughs> Oh, oh my, my goodness. God. OG's back in the house. The guy was off by more than a hundred years and he wins. <laughs> <He's still laughs> we're all we're all pretty skilled at uh at our at our toothbrushing. Wow. Nice job, OG. And the plot thickens. Paula, that was that was absolutely I know. I know. <laughs> the creature to be most scared of. <laughs> But none of us are giving Len a hard time for picking 1937. It was just how awful Paula's guess was. But Len, I also like you need to be ashamed of yourself. And it's like, oh well, that's all. That's I mean, that's he's pretty much on, on date in 1937. Yeah, You're on World yeah, War Two. In in retrospect, that was a stupid. Like I said, electricity was invented before the toothbrush. No, that's Len's like I've been to England. Stuff. They still don't have mass-produced toothbrushes there. <laughs> Uh, uh, people in the UK send your hate mail to Doug. <laughs> yeah, there goes the there goes the UK market. Hey, you know what I forgot to tell you guys? I forgot to tell you guys something very important. <laughs> Second half of the show is brought to you by Magnify Money. <laughs> when you had to stack investments, did everybody lean in? <laughs> I I sure did. You totally wonder what it was <laughs> when you had to stack com forward slash Magnify Money, Doug. You know what happens? They send a team of 200 people over to get all the leaves out of your yard? <laughs> very, very close. You actually find out that those brick-and-mortar products you're using at your bank, horrifying. Speaking of Halloween, just absolutely horrifying because 92% of all the things from online banks all rated against each other at Magnify Money. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money for more. But wait a minute. She has had uh, almost 30 minutes to redeem herself. So let's see if she can do it. <laughs> see if, see if she's, she's just going to say another scary word. She's Googling yes. financial she, horror stories. Paula, here's your theme music. <laughs> I mean, in, uh, it, to piggyback off of selling a stock at, uh, a price that you later regret, I could simply tell a story in one sentence, which is, <laughs> <laughs> I sold Peloton in March 2020. Oh. <laughs> right at the start of the pandemic, I sold away all of my Peloton stock at the beginning of the pandemic because everyone said two weeks to stop the spread. So I was like, oh. why are all these idiots buying bikes? We're only going to be in shutdown for two weeks. After that, everything's going to go to normal. So, uh, <laughs> and, every, it- and everybody else goes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, I mean, I, I sold it with a gain, but absolutely nothing like what would have happened if I had just held on to it for another six months. OK, but here's the question. So if this mm-hmm. is a financial horror story, I mean, clearly the outcome wasn't what you wanted. But mm-hmm. what was wrong in your methodology? Well, you know, honestly, I think I think the story just illustrates like loss aversion. Right. Like when you're so aware of what could have been. Uh, that there's the emotional impact of the opportunity cost. It's not actually a problem. I mean, at the end of the day, I still made money. So who cares? That's, that's the opposite of a horror story. It's a celebratory story. It's a new year story. <laughs> but I think it, it goes to show that our feelings about money are not objective. Objectively, I made money. Subjectively, I see the glass as half empty. Yeah. 
Which makes it hard. I mean, playing Monday morning quarterback, as they call it, is is mm-hmm. a difficult game and one that you really shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't embark on because I think you kind of learn the wrong lessons. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you create a narrative to fit, to, you know, to retroactively fit what you hope the lesson might be. So looking at the chart, uh, Peloton was probably trading somewhere in the $25 range when you sold it. Uh, pro- I, I don't remember specifically. But yeah. That sounds, and today yeah. it's trading for $96 and 60 cents. It was <laughs> trading over $160 at the beginning of this year. So yeah, that'll give you some heartburn. Yeah, man. That's okay. Hey, Paul, if it make you feel any better, I, I put some money on a flyer mining stock, uh, a while back, it doubled in within two months. The price it doubled, and I just kept instead of selling it, I I thought this thing was going to go more than double. I actually my exit strategy was triple, so it started dropping and it kept dropping and it kept dropping. And I'm I'm still holding it and it is now underwater <laughs> by <laughs> by uh, quite a bit. <laughs> so there, maybe that makes you feel better. <laughs> I went well, from I'm a double to underwater. Better. I'm going to make you feel worse because I bought Peloton at the IPO and sold it at 120. Wow. So there's what was some the IPO? salt in that wound, Paula. Uh, it was like 20. I think what did IPO at Paula? Do you remember? Like 20, 25-ish? Yeah. Uh, but then it went down a whole bunch. It went down to like 12. So same deal. And I just got lucky. But I'm convinced, you know, talking about all these individual stock purchases and stuff like that. And you can kind of translate this into, you know, crypto. And there was, there was some stuff over the last weekend where, some of the meme coins went up a little bit and, and everybody gets out their calculator, right? And goes, well, if I would have had, if I would have put a thousand dollars in, you know, this thing, I would have 8.83 billion today. <laughs> but, but in reality, right? In reality, do you ever stand a chance of that happening? I mean, logically, I have a thousand dollars in Dogecoin, a thousand dollars in Shibubu or whatever it's called. And, and unless I forget about it and wake up one day and it's worth five million, there's no chance I would see it reach five million. Yeah, this because is because like, at some so, some number along the way, right? You go like, why well, a thousand, not ten grand? It's like, dude, I'm out. Like, I just ten x my money. Or you wake up and you got like a hundred thousand, or God forbid, five hundred thousand or a million. Like, I would never see a hundred million dollars of Dogecoin unless I went into a coma and forgot about Coinbase. Yeah, I think we. I think a number that you were talking about was if you had a thousand dollars in January, wouldn't it be like? Two hundred million dollars now, or something like that. Some some obnoxious some, number, but you some, you yeah. would have to have forgotten. About it but because no logical person, and the same thing with your stock, Len or Paula. You know, you're frustrated because because you only made double, or in Len's case, <laughs> lost his ass. But well, I haven't lost you know, anything because I haven't sold it yet, right? Ah, there you go. Oh, look at you with the fancy terminology. <laughs> he can write it all the way down. Hey, I paid a, a therapist good money for that. So uh, <laughs> it's a paper loss. Well, when when the Congress passes their uh, capital gains tax, you can be like, can I get a capital loss on this one? Can I write this yeah, one? Right. On? You know. But hold um, on, let me let me ask this question, OG, because I've been having since you and I had this very conversation that you just brought up now. I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Like, let's say that it was a thousand dollars in January. Let's say it went up to two hundred million dollars. At what point, realistically, would you have gotten off the train? Would you have sold your stuff because you're like, holy crap, this is a lot of money? And and it's funny, the more I have this conversation, the smaller that number is. Literally two hours ago, I brought up this scenario, OG, to a friend, and I, I. I think it'd be somewhere between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars. I'd be like, man, I'm done. 
this fantastic. I might've left my original capital in it or maybe a few bucks, but Len, how about you? If you put a thousand dollars into Shibubu coin or whatever coin, and it went to $200 million, at what point would you have gone? This is too much money and I got to sell now. Well, I don't I would have an exit strategy, right? I, I, I would set it ahead of time. Heck, I don't know what I would say. Maybe it, it depends what you think, where you think it's going to be. But let's say it goes to 50, you put a thousand dollars in it and it goes to 50,000 bucks. You're telling yeah. me that you're still hanging on. I would have pulled. No, I would have pulled. I know me too. Let me give you my, this, a good horror story. I'm, I'm going to. Oh, time from, for, from, time for, hold well, on. Cause we're kind of on, we're on, we're talking about, it's, it's related to what we're talking about. So it's the story of Laszlo Haniich. Have, have you guys heard of him? Laszlo oh, but I got to play your theme music for this. This is true. This is not, I'm, this isn't a Len being smart or anything. This is a true story. This is Laszlo Haniich. I, I believe he was a software engineer. One of the first people into Bitcoin. And this is – you can look it up. He had one – at one time when this thing was first getting going, when Bitcoin was first getting going, he had 100,000 Bitcoin, okay? And he spent it all on pizza. If he would have kept all of that Bitcoin, that would be worth I, – I, you know, I don't know what, what's 100,000 times whatever it is right now. $6 billion? $6.5 dollars. dollars. We yes, did this – we did this trivia, didn't we, Doug? I think, uh, and Pauletta Writer is here in the audience we as did. well. We yeah, did. yeah, we did trivia on this, Len. This is horrible. I think Doug said during the trivia, Doug, didn't you say you hope that she, he got extra toppings? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can't you say that's for, I mean, obviously that's a, a, just an insanely extreme example. But this is also true for just about anything. Any purchase that you make is taking tomorrow's future potential and consuming it today. You know, and whether it's whether it's as grotesque as I should have had six billion dollars of Bitcoin, or it's like, you know, I should have ten x my money. I mean, the S and P's up eleven times since thirty years ago, and to get all eleven x of that return, you had to invest the money in October of nineteen ninety one, and then do nothing, and you eleven x your money. But along the way, your dividends, yeah, that too. But dividends are up. 6x and inflation's only up 2x so you know that's gone up too but 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 all you had to do was just do that and yet time after time you know says that struggle between do i need slash want it now versus what what, you know what's the opportunity in the future because this multiple exists for everything else and uh it's not you know a hundred thousand x return type thing but it's 10x or 11x and um you know, it doesn't take very many 30-year increments in your life and your family's life to turn, you know, 100 grand into 100 million. It just, it happens in a generation and a half if you just let it do it. That's the key. That's hard though. The volatility, that, that's the thing, you know, the volatility can really shake you, you know. 100%. Yeah. yeah. To get 11 times return in the S&P or last 30 years, you had to like damn near be in a coma. Because because there was so much stuff that went wrong along the way, so many ends of the earth. You know, we're this is the end of the earth. This is this is it. We're kaput after this, and and all you had to do is just hang out. And it's very difficult in the moment. So is is that to say that in keeping with the Halloween theme, the the thing to be most scared of, the the creature to be most scared of, is ourselves. Ooh. Ooh. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Paula, you can't tell a story, but you sure can bring the hammer home. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very acquainted with self-sabotage. <laughs> She's like, I'm a master, master at that part of this thing. And speaking of more, Len, uh, Len, was that actually your story or do you, do you? No, I had, a, I had another one. I was you just, do have I mean, Yes. No, I, I have one more. Oh, I, I, I can... think yours is the one that ends this thing, man. Oh, so bring well, I don't it. I know about that. Well, okay. So this was, it's kind of it's kind of the backside of uh, Water. the story that oh. um, uh, that OG told and it's I'm calling this the tale of the CPA from hell and what this is my mother-in-law and her hubby this was well 15 years ago um, they had a, they taxes filled out and they, they went to the tax preparer and this tax preparer was known for supposedly for giving you maximizing your returns. I mean, more than any normal tax preparer they went to. So they, so they went to this tax preparer and they got a tremendous refund. Well, about uh, 18 months later, you got a, a letter from the IRS, not a phone call, OG, a letter from the IRS. Uh, and they were told basically that, there was something wrong with their tax return. There was things that weren't lining up. And she asked me for help, to, her tax return, to see what it was. I looked at that tax return, and you could tell it was not – it wasn't filled out by anybody remotely who's a tax preparer at all. I mean, it was it was so amateurish, and it was clear that they ended up owing uh, probably – I forget. It was close to $10,000 that they had to come up oh, with because no. of this tax return. <laughs> this tax prepare. And, and just for your information, if you go to the IRS website, I guess this, this isn't very uncommon. There are a lot of uh, phony tax preparers out there. Um, and they, what they say is, you know, you need to avoid prepare, preparers who base their fee on a percentage, usually on a percentage of the amount of the refund. If somebody's doing that, that's a big red flag. And I think that's what my mother-in-law uh, ended up doing. That's, that's how what so well well so think about how much for that think about how enticing that is len you know hey if i get you more we both make more yeah exactly well i'm but but that's a red flag right there Absolutely. right i mean that's a huge red flag okay. so pl- please you know make sure that you have a qualified tax repair don't just take anybody who's promising you huge returns second clue is if they do it in crayon if they're filling out your stuff in crayon. <laughs> oh, seriously, I went and I looked at the return. The return Do you was have a still, pen I could borrow. <laughs> <laughs> the return was so amateurish. I mean, it was when I looked at it, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And they and here's the other thing you gotta learn. They of course they signed it. They have to sign their name. And you know, that is you can't fall back on, well, somebody else filled out my return. You signed that return, therefore you are responsible for that return. So keep that in mind. That doesn't, you know excuse you from what your tax preparer does. That's a good horror story avoided Mr. Penzo. And that's a great place to leave it. Yes. All 11 of them. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it's time guys. This has been a fantastic Halloween episode, but let's see what's going on where you live. Oh gee, you are going to be uh, gallivanting. The Hills are alive <laughs> with the sound of OG. The hills are alive. Yes. Um, no, actually this is, this is uh, just for this week. I will be back in the great state of Texas by uh, by Thursday. You know, before anybody listens to this, and um, the warrant uh, will be expired by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the heat died down by Thursday. <laughs> which is, it's just a little misdemeanor. Len, chill. Um, 
little after school activity this weekend and then uh and then halloween you know so <laughs> my youngest she's a unicorn princess um takes after her dad of, uh, <laughs> that's right <laughs> the glow glow in the dark uh unicorn and um i don't know what the boys are gonna do i think my i think my uh i think the boys are a little too old so we'll see so, should be fun well thanks for the update what do you guys have for lunch today no, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> Len, what's going on at com? Uh, let's see. Hey, we look at uh, why gold and silver are the superheroes of wealth preservation. Yes, I knew oh. you'd get something you never would expect at lenpenzo.com. But Shocker. I'm going out on a limb this week. <laughs> so, so crazy. Off brand, going off brand. <laughs> Paula Pant. Mm hmm. On the Afford Anything podcast, speaking of scary, we talked to a guy who, uh, his name is Marshall Allen. He wrote a book called Never Pay the First Bill, and it's about your medical bills. It's so, about your credit card statement. Yeah, <laughs> it's about the letter that the IRS sends you. Yeah. Be, it's, it's never worked for him, but it might work for you. Uh, so it's all about medical billing, hospital billing. Um, it sort of demystifies that complicated world and talks about how to understand the medical billing system and how to uh, work with it to try to negotiate some kind of lower bill. Wow, that's fantastic. And and you know what? Not enough people ask questions about their medical bill, so that's timely as well. Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Thanks, everybody here on Fireside for hanging out with us. You'll hear this on Friday in our feed at the Stacky Benjamin Show. And uh, Doug, you got it from here now, man. What should we have learned here on our Halloween episode? Well, Joe, first, learn from your past scary stories to make sure you prevent any future financial horrors. Taking the right steps, sticking to a plan, and having patience can turn your nightmare into your dream life. Second, if someone writes you a check for too much money, just keep the check and don't give them a dime back. If they don't know the difference between $18 and $1,800, that's on them. They got to learn about decimals from somebody, right? But the big lesson, if you're just throwing out that extra neck hair from the wild boar you had for dinner, you could be using those to make yourself a perfectly serviceable toothbrush. It's called frugality, people. Haven't you spent any time in an online fire financial forum? Commercial toothbrushes are for sheeple. Thanks to Paula Pant for joining us today. You'll find her podcast, Afford Anything, wherever you're listening to us today. And by the way, Doug, uh, Paula's stories on Afford Anything longer than her Halloween stories. So just a little known fact. So you're getting more bang for your buck. You actually do. You'll get a full hour from Paula instead of like three sentences as a story. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm, I'm concise. I'm concise. <laughs> can, I keep, can I keep going here? All right. Thanks also to Len Penzo for joining us. As soon as you're done here, go check out lenpenzo.com forward slash wooden teeth, the hilarious site for semi-responsible people. <laughs> Today's show was written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch. Know how I know she's brilliant? She wrote the words I'm reading right now. While she's not putting awesome words in my mouth, she helps writers power their work and businesses power their words. See how she can help you at thatwriterpaulette.com.
Welcome to the after show. <clears throat> Man, was that fun. That was a great time, guys. Uh, but I think what we need to do now, I think we should each share like our favorite horror movie. So people go home and they've got five different ones. How about that? That they maybe can check out. And uh, Doug, you want to go first? What's your... What, what, yeah, what's you the- know, um, I'm happy to go first. I just don't know if my favorite scary movie is a horror movie oh mine, mine is seven. Oh yeah cheryl and loves that movie that was the movie that it, it just it drew me in so much i completely forgot about you know that fact that i was watching a movie i wasn't like analyzing oh that would never happen i was just it pulled me in so well that uh, I hold that as the standard for really any genre of if you're really good, I'm going to just forget about everything. And I am just 100% in the story. Is that where they're chasing a serial killer? Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was, it was uh seven deadly. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was oh. his theme. Edge of your seat the entire time. That's What's a good in one. the box. Oh yeah. Uh, Paula, how about you? I was about to say the premise of your question is that I've seen a movie. That's a <laughs> generous assumption. The scariest but, thing for me is is uh, asking to say what my favorite movie is. I know, right? <laughs> I would say The Ring. Oh, oh my God! When the phone rings, right? Uh, so no, there's um. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different one. That's not the you're, one you're thinking of the IRS. <laughs> once again. Those wing pops you get. <laughs> so I just remember, I just remember the wing, like a, the ring was, was something about a bottom of a well. Like yes, 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 yes. The bo- I won't give too much away, but it relates to the bottom of a well. Yeah, I thought there was one. What's what's the one where? And I thought that was was a ring also where like the phone rings and if you answer it, then you're gonna die. Oh, I don't. Re- if that is part of it, I don't remember it. I do remember something about a, uh, some something coming out of a television set. If oh, my memory is yeah, correct. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a few years uh, since I've seen it, but I just remember being really creeped out by it. Yeah, that that's a tough one. OG, how about you, man? Oh, I'm the uh, loser here that uh, doesn't watch horror movies ever. So not at all. Um, yeah, sorry. I mean, I've seen seven. Pretty. Pretty scary. But yeah, you had to have one that but, set you off. Was there one that you saw and you went, yeah, I'm not doing this again? No. No? No, I have no I have no memories of any of any I mean, I saw seven. I don't know what the ring is. Um I never saw like the quiet place, which I know is a lot of people liked. Uh, oh yeah. Um never saw it. You know, I, I did I don't know that's a horror movie as as it is more of just a thriller. Um, you know, a lot of the Stephen King ones mm-hmm. I, I did see, right? Like the, um, it's the one where she breaks his legs again. Misery. Misery. I call yeah, that a horror movie. That, that one's pretty jacked up. Um, but, uh, but that's really Man. the only one that I remember. What about, a, yeah, well, I don't want to steal anything from Len possibly. So, but I, I bet you, you've seen scary movies that you're not thinking of right now. I don't know. Mr. Penzo, how that. about you? Well, I'll be, I'd be surprised, Doug, if, if, uh, you steal my, you stole my thunder here, but maybe not. So I, two of mine, I like comedy horror movies. Um, I mean, they're, they, they take that line between comedy and horror. The like first scream, one, scream one, two, and three. Yeah, I guess that would, yeah, that, that, that those were, I guess those were okay, but those are my favorite. American, an American werewolf in London. Oh, is, God, um, you are is, old. 
Yeah, well, uh, I'm the old guy. Your, but I'm going to go even. I'm going to go even early, further back. Early when I was John Landis. Yes, that's true. That's American correct. Psycho. I saw American Psycho. Does that count? I, yeah. Well, it's, isn't that the one with Christian Bale? Yeah, it gets, yeah. Like it's gets ticked gets, off about gets pretty, a, He's a psychopath. It's pretty wicked. Yeah, yeah. Not a horror flick. It's more is just a deranged, scary uh, dude flick. Dude. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, you know, I was going to go back one, even further back into the '60s when I was a little kid. I remember this movie used to scare me, although it was it was a comedy uh, horror. It was both. It was a comedy horror. The Ghost and Mister Chicken with. Don Knotts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ghost of Mr. Chicken. <laughs> Look it up, people. It's an oldie. Never heard of that one. Yeah. Well, you know what Never happened there? at the end? <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. At the end, they had to choke it. So oh, Joe, Joe, I knew it. I knew it. I thought, no, I can't say that. But Joe would be mad at me if I said that. So I'm just going to leave that joke alone. And then he says it. What joke? I just, just yeah. the movie. I you know I would agree though. Land American Werewolf in London really that left that made an impression. That was sort of early because uh, it wasn't um, CGI, but like you know special effects with as he became the werewolf. Well, the werewolf that, that, that was that really time, serious. It was yeah. for the time. It was really something else. That was yeah. hardcore. But I thought OG. I thought for sure you would have said like if I'd reminded you, you'd seen The Exorcist. Like that one often gets held up a, as a the little, pinnacle a, of little little before my time. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, they re-released it recently. It's it's That's still a, thought of as being one of the classic. top scariest of all time, and yeah. it really holds. It's I mean, still I, I'm muscle. sure that, I'm sure that I saw it sometime before, like in when I was a teenager. But I just, you know, just I don't remember much about it. It's if at all. To your point, Len, uh, uh, I I saw a comedy horror movie just uh, last week. Friends of ours invited us over to see Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Have you guys seen this thing? This is this is a story of of these two these two redneck dudes who uh, get a place in the mountains of West Virginia, and it's where they're going for their holiday. And there's a bunch of college kids, and uh, there's a big misunderstanding. and And the the writing of the show is what if you took the traditional quote bad guys, which would be these two dudes. And you told the story from their point of view and there's, these guys are doing nothing wrong. And these, these, uh, these college kids are continually, uh, thinking that, that they're evil and the, the college kids keep dying, but they're bringing it on themselves <laughs> to, to the point that the, the two rednecks are like, I think these college kids have a, have a suicide pact. Like they're, <laughs> What's the movie? I'm going to watch that. It's called Tucker and Dale versus evil. And it's very, very funny and irreverent. And uh, it got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, you don't see that from comedies, but also from most horror movies. But back to The Exorcist, I think that it's funny that you mentioned The Exorcist, Doug, because actually Exorcist 3, because the interesting story about The Exorcist, uh, uh, the way it was told to me is that uh, the first Exorcist, of course, came out was a classic. They went to Peter Blatty. They went to the team that made the first Exorcist and said, hey, what, you know, this is the 70s and it's the time when they do lots of sequels. And they said, hey, uh, we want to do a sequel of The Exorcist. And they said, there's nothing else to tell. Like, that's the story. It stands on its own. And so Universal came out with Exorcist 2, which you'll see gets just absolutely horrible reviews, just rotten reviews. 
but then, which is why nobody saw Exorcist 3, but Exorcist 3, my understanding is the original team that made the Exorcist getting just peeved, so angry that they, you know, with Exorcist 2 just, just did in the, the, uh, the franchise, they went back to Universal and said, okay, if you want a sequel, this is the sequel we would have made. And it stars, uh, I don't know if anybody uh, has seen it, but it stars uh, George C. Scott and there's a, uh, there's a, there's a serial killer and uh, man, man, that movie's scary. Do you need to see Exorcist 2 in order to No, it's, the- it's a complete non sequitur. Okay. It is a complete, yeah, Exorcist 3 stands up completely as a separate movie on its own. So I'm just looking it up. It's 1990. I thought it was pretty recent. And I had heard the story about them uh, feeling like they needed to right a wrong. And, but George C. Scott is the only name I recognize yeah. in it. And, and like everything else, George C. Scott's fantastic. In yeah. that. So Exorcist 3 is that movie you think would stink because it's got the three on the end. It's, it's not bad, but, but Tucker and Dale versus evil also. How about the prison? How about prisoners? Did you ever see that? Never heard of it. OG still searching for one that might be scary. (laughs) (laughs) Again, uh, more of a, more of a thriller versus than, than a, uh, than a uh, scary movie. Yeah. You know, everybody's over for Thanksgiving. Dude's daughter goes missing. No. They're pretty sure they know it was the, creepy neighbor down the street so cops don't want to do anything about it so he kind of takes that into his own hands oh and uh, which is why og watched it hey hey, i just i'm just reading up on this exorcist 3 it says here the film it says the film exorcist 3 became a focal point of the trial of the serial killer jeffrey dahmer Detectives testified Dahmer claimed to identify with the Gemini killer and oh. would play the film for some of his victims before killing oh. them. Oh. Thanks, Len. That <laughs> made it creepy. Yeah. Okay, now I'm definitely watching this. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.